Welcome to the Overcomers Podcast. Today you will hear a message from our very own Pastor Richard D. Dobbs, entitled, I Am Happy About This Agreement. In today's message, Pastor Dobbs talks about how Jesus is an example of being blessed and broken and being prepared to be used at a different level of ministry. And we should all be happy about this agreement. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are empowered and equipped by today's message. Mark chapter 14, verse 22 through 24 reads as follows. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, take eat. This is my body. This take eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Based on what I've just read to you, and it may, uh, I promise you God will put this all together. I want to talk to you from this subject. I am happy about this agreement. I am happy about this agreement. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for the word of God having free course. Help us today as we are in Resurrection Week, Father, not to forget the tremendous price, the agony you went through. So in turn, that we might have right to eternal life, Father. Thank you, Father, for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our risen Savior. Thank you, God, that we are here because of the tremendous price that you paid for us all back on Calvary. Father, we love you for it, God. We're happy about it too, God, because we could have did this on our own. We could not have paid the price for the things that we've done wrong, Father. But you loved us enough, Father, to sacrifice your life, to pay the price so in turn that we might have right to eternal life. Father, we thank you for tonight's Bible study as we go into your word tonight to learn, to grow, to mature into all that God has called for us to be. And Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. Let's look again at, first of all, at Mark 14 and verse 1. Mark 14 and verse 1. It reads as follows. After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they may take him by trickery and put him to death. Two days, and it was going to be the Passover. We have been learning about the events that took place six days before the Passover. We talked about this past Sunday. The Passover is the event where, in Moses' days, where they slayed and ate a lamb to commemorate the time their fathers in Egypt, forefathers in Egypt, slayed and put the blood of a lamb on the door post so the death angel would pass over the house and that was what they call the Passover. Of course, we've, you've read it uh, in previous chapter. Of course, we talked about it in Romans 12, excuse me, in John chapter 12, verse 1, because this is when Jesus came into town. He came into town for the Passover. In fact, we'll talk a little bit more about that today. And, and when he came, he came into a town called Bethany. Bethany is where Lazarus was. And, of course, we talked about how that where Lazarus was, of course, Mary and Martha was there as well. And this is where they came together. And Mary, uh, at one point in her time, she had given, uh, she had taken the oil that she had took about a year for her to make, excuse me, excuse me, to buy, or excuse me, it was a year's salary, so to speak, and broke it, put it on, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped it up with her hair. 
This is the same place where they wanted to also kill Lazarus because of the wonderful testimony that he had for the people of God. Now, we're picking it up. It's a few days later. Many events have taken place. And, of course, everything that Jesus done in those times is not written, but the things that are written are for our learning. So what can we learn from this? Remember, this is the week leading up to the crucifixion. And the only one who really knows what's about to take place is Jesus. Nobody else really knows about what's getting ready to take place and what is the magnitude of what was getting ready to take place other than Jesus himself. And I think that's significant to know because you, you got to understand his mindset was, was even though he know what he knew what was getting ready to take place. I don't know about you, but if I had to go through everything that Jesus went through and I knew what I was getting ready to go through, I don't know if I'd be ready, ready to eat something. I don't know if I'd be ready to do certain things and, uh, do the things that Jesus did. You know, Jesus almost ministered just like there was nothing getting ready to happen. It was like he was getting ready to do just go through his normal routine of ministry. He was not getting ready to be crucified. And that, to me, is amazing. That shows to me, yes, he was no ordinary man. He could minister despite what he knew he was getting ready to go through. And I think that's fascinating to me. To me, that is absolutely fascinating. He knew he was about to be crucified. At this point, we're going to pick it up at, he's about two days away from his crucifixion. And this is the thing. Nobody knows. None of the ones who wrote about this knew what was getting ready to take place. Only one that knew was Jesus himself. And I I think that's what makes him extraordinary because of the intensity of everything that he was about to experience. This was an intense moment. I know sometimes when I get ready to minister, I I get nervous. I'm getting ready to do, you know, I'm not, I don't eat that much. Sometimes I don't sleep that well. I can imagine if I had to go through something like what Jesus getting ready to go through, how I could, you know, how, what would my mindset would have been through that particular time? See, I don't think, see, many times, I don't, many of us don't realize all that Jesus does for us. I think it's tremendous everything that Jesus does for us. I think sometimes his protection, his protection, his, how he delivers us, how he keeps us, how he prospers us, how he loves us is tremendous to me. This floods us despite who we are and what we do, so forth and so on. Now, Mark records some of the activities that occurred during this window of time, and we do not find Jesus sitting in the corner afraid, upset, angry, or depressed. And I thought that's fascinating because remember, now, he can ready to go to the cross. He knows he's getting ready to go to Calvary. He knows he's getting ready to beat with a cat and nine tails. He knows he's getting ready to have a nails put in his hand. But you don't find him sitting over there crying. You don't see him over there afraid. You don't see him upset. You don't see him depressed. He is in mode of ministry. And boy, can we learn something for Jesus. Woo-wee. Boy, can we learn something for Jesus. I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing, don't Mark records some of the activities they record, and, and, and when he records something, we can see the greatness of who Jesus is. We can see the greatness of who Jesus is. Is is the present tense form. That means it does, he, he, he's, he, listen, he, even though, it, it, excuse me, when he was, excuse me, when he was is then, he is is now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Go to Hebrews 13 and verse 8. He don't change. He doesn't change. He's the same. He has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That same great God is still doing great things in our life today. Hebrews 13, verse 8. 
The Bible says this, Jesus Christ is the same. He doesn't change. Yesterday, today, and forever. That means he's not panicking over our situation. He's not afraid when we go through this, that, and the other. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get depressed. If he didn't get angry or depressed before he knew he was getting ready to go to the cross, he was still in mode of ministry, we should follow his example. We should be individuals who are not, don't get, don't get depressed, don't get angry, because he is who God, he's, excuse me, Jesus Christ is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I almost wanted to put was in there, but he's not a was God. He's still the same God he was back then. He is today. He is who he said he is. Isn't that wonderful to know that God is? He don't panic. He don't sweat. He don't lose control. He doesn't lose, get angry. He don't get depressed or oppressed. And and I know because we go through some challenges. I know we do. I, I do anyway. I, I be challenged with wanting to be oppressed, depressed, angry, mad, everything. But I got to follow. We got to follow our example. Our example is Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. He is our the one that we look to. He Listen, he don't get upset. And if Jesus went through all that he was getting ready to go through, and he was still in mode of ministry, we need to follow his example. We need to follow his example. And a circle of, excuse me, we're going to look at some of the events again. Well, one event I, I saw in there, but I didn't go again because um, it talks about how that, uh, the woman had the costly oil of spink yard, and and uh, they got upset with it because she put it out there, uh, and she put it on Jesus and ministered to him. Uh, the Bible says in verse 5 that it costs a 300 denarii, and, and that money could be given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply because that's when Jesus jumped back in there and rebuked them, and he dealt with that. But we talked about that before, so I don't, I don't want to go in that one, but I did want to pick up in verse 10. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 10. Then Jesus Sarah, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he saw how he might conveniently betray him. I don't know what conveniently betray mean, but I, I think betrayal is just betrayal. Y'all follow me? <laughs> I don't know what conveniently betray him, but he was going to betray him regardless. Somebody can somebody, uh, conveniently get mad at you. It's going to be when you can, it's convenient for you. I'm getting mad at you when it's convenient for you. No, when you betray somebody, it ain't nothing really convenient about it. They'll follow me up. Ain't nothing convenient about getting mad at somebody, betraying somebody, getting angry at somebody. It's not a convenient situation. But anyway, nevertheless, that's, but that also lets me know the mindset of somebody that betrays you. You got to think about that. When people do you, when, excuse me, start to do you wrong, it's, it's convenient for them. It may not be convenient for you, but it is convenient for them. Now, on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they, excuse me, let me go back. Let's go back and talk about this for a moment. An historical event that happened within two days is that Jesus went to the chief priest. Judas went to the chief priest to betray Jesus, as recorded in this particular verses. He, he went to, the, uh, to give, to deliver up treacherously. Now, it was, he's going to give him up treacherously. It wasn't going to be something that was going to be, uh, Nothing that's going to be nice about it. It was going to be a horrendous situation because it wasn't going to be good. Remember, they, they they were coming to get him. And notice what they wanted to do. And we talked, you know, you you know your story. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. So this wasn't going to be nothing that's convenient. Nothing going to be uh, inviting. This was something that was going to be treacherous. In other words, he didn't want to give one's power. He wants to give to the hands of another through deceitfulness. And they wanted to give him up, but it was going to be through a deceitful act. They wanted to betray him. 
And that is the thing when you look at this, that Judas, why was he going to do it? Because they promised him money. They promised him money. That was so sad, so sad. He was disloyal because of money. Disloyal because of money. He was unfaithful. He was inconsistent. He was untrustworthy to Jesus for many reasons. But one reason is for the money. It's for the money. I imagine they, I, I know he's probably a little upset with him because remember he had gotten uh, called on the carpet, so to speak, when it came to the money because they knew he uh, was stealing the money. But the thing is, he, when he went to the chief priest to betray Jesus, they, he knew what he was doing. He thought about it. He went and did it anyway. This is the thing you got to see in this particular text. Not only that, Jesus, Judas was disloyal to Jesus. He was disloyal to Jesus. And as Christians, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us about the opposite of disloyalty, which is loyalty. Loyalty is being faithful. It's being consistent. It's being trustworthy. And one thing we need to learn is to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us about loyalty. And not only loyalty to just anything, but loyalty to our Savior. Loyalty to thy king, loyalty to our master, being faithful to the one who delivered us, being consistent to the one who it makes a way for us on a consistent basis, being trustworthy. Amen. And when it comes to the things of God, we have to learn how to be loyal, learn how to be loyal. And with Jesus making the deal with the chief priest. Uh, now, notice this. Judas was making the deal with the chief priest. He was figuring out how can I can betray Jesus conveniently, which is an interesting word within itself. But anyway, nevertheless, as he was doing that, Jesus told his disciples to go into the city and find a certain room so they could have his Passover meal, so he could have his Passover meal with his disciples. His disciples were one who was his followers, his pupils, his learners. He, he was going to have a meal with them. And see, this is the thing. The disciples were at one place and Judas was at another place. The disciples were going on the, following the instructions of Jesus and they were going over to the, to the, um, uh, looking for the place to have a Passover meal. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But Judas was not with them. He had gone to the chief priest trying to make a dollar too. Trying to betray, amen, our master and betray, and betray our savior. He was going to do that. So anyway, the point I made is we don't we don't want to be like Jesus, Judas, that when we should be somewhere, we are somewhere else not following the shepherd's instructions. We don't want to be like Judas now. Judas should have been over there with the other disciples looking for a place or listen, getting instructions. So in turn, he go out and find a place to have the Passover meal. But no, Judas had left them and went by and did his own thing. He wouldn't, he, listen, one thing I learned from this is he was not divinely connected. Because if he was connected, he would have been with the other disciples. He would have been over there looking for the, path, the place to have the Passover meal. But because he was a long range of doing what he wanted to do, he missed out on what God told him to do. Ooh, that was, what a sad place to be. You know, you need to, we all need to be in the place where God gives us the instructions. We all need to be in that place. And, and notice this, and what, in my opinion, these other disciples were connected. They were connected. But Judas was not connected. He was disconnected. And it, why? And the one reason it was, because he did not follow the instructions. He didn't know what they was asking for. He didn't know what they were looking for, uh, what he was looking for. But, because why? He's only making a deal with the chief priests while the other ones were listening to what Jesus had told them to do. 
Let's look at what Jesus told him to do. And Mark 14 and verse 13. And he sent out his disciples and said to them, go into the city. A man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Now, look how specific Jesus is about this. You go into the city, you will meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. So, now, one thing I thought about this, I don't know if the disciples wrote down what he told them to do, because I'll be trying to write everything he said down. Because I'll say, Lord, don't let me miss one of these instructions right here, because I'll mess something up for him. Listen, he'll say, go, 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 go into the city, and then you'll see a man meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Say, I'll be looking for anybody with water. But now that man going to meet him. See, notice how specific Jesus was. He knew exactly who he was looking for. He knew exactly who he was looking for. And I, I don't know if he, again, I don't know if he wrote them down. I, I've been trying to hold on. Gee, you want me to do what now? I want to make sure I, I get these points down. Point one, uh-huh, go into the city. Point two, look for a man carrying a pitcher of water. What kind of water, Jesus? The signing, dear part, I want to make sure we got the right kind of water. Well water, I want to make sure we got the right water. Y'all follow me up? And then, then he knows what he said here. Then follow him. All right. One, going to the city. Two, uh, look for a man carrying a pitcher of water. And then three, follow him. Okay, Jim, we'll do exactly. Because, you know, these, these were specific instructions. You know, he didn't leave nothing for chance for the disciple. Now, I understand, too, because sometimes we got to give people specific instructions. Don't get no room for interpretation. Give them a specific instruction. And because why? This was a very important event. The more important the event, the more instructions you ought to get. The more important the situation, the, uh, the, the better instructions you ought to get. Now, notice what he says here in verse 14. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house. So what, no matter where he went to, you got to follow this man. See, I don't know if the man went straight home or not. Wherever that man went. And, and if I'm this man, I'm like, why do you mean following me? Think about this for a moment. You guys, disciples, I don't know how many it was. We know it's probably more than one because it got plural on it. All of a sudden, man got the water. He walking, and all of a sudden, you got disciples following him. Notice how notice his, their, his reaction. The man didn't, get, didn't even panic. He didn't get upset or anything like that as far as we know. He just, but how many know? How many have ever, this, I'm just, just throwing this out here. I'm just wondering. How many have ever thought that somebody was following you, but it turned out they weren't really following you? Come on, let's receive them to your hand. Look around. You ain't the only one, boy. You ain't the only one. I have been like that, too. I ain't talking about the police. You know, you, you speed and you think about they following. I'm talking about, no, you just thought somebody was following you. Why did, why did the car keep going the same direction I'm going in? What they up to? What the, you know, the, Can you imagine? You walking, and all of a sudden, I've been in the mall, thought somebody, oh, Lord, are they looking at me? Mm-hmm. Or whatever the case may be. Well, this is the situation right here. This man was being followed by the disciples, and he don't even panic. In fact, I've been in a situation where I, I ain't going straight home because I don't know if he's trying, trying to follow me home to do something. I'm going to take one of these strange routes right here and fit and, uh, head to the police station. They follow me there. They, they, good, they good right there. Because I'm going to, well, <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? That was just my mind. There's probably nothing to it, but that's just my mind, okay? So anyway, um, I know women got to be careful about that because a man see you, he'll try to holler at you. And uh, you got to be careful about stuff like that. He sure do. Hallelujah. All right. Women are saying them. That's okay. That's, it's true anyway. Now, so notice what he says here. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? 
Notice Jesus told them exactly what to say. He didn't take no chances. Now go in there trying to tell them what you want now, um, disciples. Now go in there trying to vary from the script. Tell them exactly what I told you to tell them. I love that about that. This was, this, he didn't, he didn't take any chance with them. He did not take any chance. He said, I'm going to follow the script. Now, I don't know if they wrote it down. I probably would have. I said, what do you want me to say, Jesus? Say what now? All right. Say this right here. The teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? No, I'm not trying to just get together with any type of meal. This is the Passover. I need to eat it with my disciples. I need you to tell folks exactly how I told you. Listen, don't try to add nothing. Don't try to take anything away. But tell them exactly how I told you to tell them. That's what those, those, the instructions that, G, that um, Jesus gave his disciples. Yeah. And then he told them what's going to happen too. I thought it was kind of interesting too. He knew what was going to happen before, uh, even after, even before they got to the situation. Notice what he said in verse 15. Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared, there made ready for us. Boy, he knew exactly what was going to happen. Well, Jesus had that thing mapped out, didn't he? If they followed his instructions, you knew exactly what was getting ready to happen, didn't you? If he did it the way that he told him to do it, if they follow the instructions, they were going to get what they were supposed to get right there. And, that, and, I, and, I, and I believe we can learn something from, from that particular text. But when we follow God's instructions, we're going to get exactly what God wants us to get. When we do it the way he told us to do it, we say it like he wants us to say it, we're going to get what he instructed for us to get. When we don't add anything to the word or take anything away from the word, we're going to get exactly what God told us to get. Oh, God, isn't that wonderful to know? But when you're talking about what better is here and better is coming, we're going to get exactly what we said we're going to get. When we say going to get God will give us a heart desire, we're going to get exactly what he said he's going to give us. When he gets, say you give us peace that passes all understanding, we're going to get exactly what God instructed for us to get. Oh, thank you for your word, God. And your word not going to return back to your void, but it's going to accomplish everything that you said out to do. So he, now, we, Jesus was specific in guiding them to the appointed place. He also gave them what, what to say. The Spirit of God is manifesting as our God. Today, when we allow him, according to John 16 and 13, a guide is to show us the way. Isn't that, isn't that exactly what Jesus did for the disciples? He told them, listen, go into the city. A man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. They are made ready for us. Nothing could have been, listen, they could not, the Lord knew exactly what was going to, to transpire based on what he said. He knew the room was going to be furnished and prepared. See, they, they, they weren't going up to a room and it wasn't going to be furnished and prepared. You go up there in the room, oh, ain't nothing in him. That was not going to happen in this particular case because God knew exactly what he was doing. So you understand something? When God gives you certain instructions, he knows what's getting ready to transpire in those instructions. He knows. He knows. 
And this is, this we got to understand. He knows it's going to be a room. It's going to be furnished and prepared when you go into that room. He knows exactly how it should look. He knows exactly what's going to take place. Listen, he probably saw when they were prepared. He knew when it was going to be prepared. Oh, boy, God, God is a powerful God, eh? Somebody say God is powerful. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Go to John 16, 13 real quick. Hold your place. Coming back here. John 16, 13. John 16 and 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Notice he will guide you into what? All truth. Not some truth, but what? For he not speak of his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He's going to guide you and also going to show us the way. He's going to guide us into all truth. And the Lord even told them who to look for and uh, that they'll be carrying a pitcher of water in this particular text. And now, we know that they went and they prepared and God is getting it ready. Go over, flip over with me to um, Mark 14 and verse 22. Mark 14 and verse 22. Because now they're eating. They got to the Passover. They're enjoying one another. Uh, Jesus uh, knew that somebody would betray him. He's already told them who it was. Well, he'd given a hint. He didn't really say specifically, but he gave them hints to who it was. Now I want to pick up something else that happened during, during this particular time that I think is significant for us tonight that we learn from. As they were eating, Mark 14, 22, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. I remember reading one description about this, and they said this was the institution of the communion. This is when God started the communion. It's when he started the communion. And so we pick up here, excuse me, we pick up here, and I want you to notice what he said. As they were eating, so they, I guess they were already, you know, eating the Passover meal, whatever it was at that particular time. And somewhere in there, Jesus took a bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. Thought this was really significant because many, you know, in scripture, the Bible talks about how that Jesus calls himself the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Now, there's a lot in this. I'm going to try to get down to some of what I believe is the uh, essential things for us to know out of this text. As they were eating in the Passover, the Lord took bread and blessed it. He blessed it. He blessed it. Now, blessed is he calls it to prosper. He's, he's going to make happy. He's going to invoke good things and cause favor to take place. So when God to get ready in our lives to bless us, he's saying, I'm causing you to prosper. I'm causing favor to take place in your life. I, I, I want you to be happy about it, too. And I know many of us will be happy when God blesses us. I'm mean, happy when God bless you. Let me be real about it. I'm happy when God. Listen, I'm happy when God just, just say my name. Amen. I'm happy when God just love on me and do what he does. Happy about it. Invoke good things and cause favor to take place. But we got something else for the grade to take place. And what I think is significant in every believer's life that we all need to understand that happens to all of us at some point or another. Because after he blesses you, he's going to break you. It ain't going to be pretty. It's going to be wonderful, but God going to break. He's going to break us. Now, this is not any ordinary break because this is break. Let's look at the definition. Take it out. It's original form. 
When he breaks, he's going to take you away from your original form. What's the original form? Uh, original form is what you used to be so God can make you what he wants you to be. That this is what you got to understand. God is always, through his word, always changing his people. He changed the way that we think, the way that we talk, the way that we act. If you, there, I love all y'all in here, but I thank God he changes each one of us on a day-by-day basis. Because he will make us into a better form of us. Make you in a better form. But in order to do that, though, he got to change you from your original form. I can't leave. Now, now the blessed part is he loves. See, really, I'm blessed because he's changing me. Good God Almighty. Whew. I got favor because he's changing me. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, which improves what's that good and acceptable will of God. We got to be renewed in our mind. We got to be changed. And that requires to take us from our original form. The crackers, the separate, separate from sin, separate from the things that's not going to cause us to be who God called for us to be. Because when I first lived it, I'm saying, well, you know, I'm just, this is a communion, right? But you got to stand something. Communion has a deeper meaning than just taking a piece of bread and uh, a drink, as they describe here in the text, and partaking of it. It's got to be something that's going to make, be significant to each one of us in this sanctuary. So while I'm looking at this, I, so I'm looking at this, when I first looked at it, I took it at face value. Took it at face value. But then the Lord said, look, look, look again. And I, I'll be honest, I looked again, and I looked again. I walked away because I got sleepy, and then I came back and looked again. Y'all never get sleepy studying sometimes? Well, y'all pray for me. I, I get sleepy constantly. <laughs> either sleepy or I get distracted. Pray my, either one of them. Hallelujah. Anyway, I looked again. I said, you know, you're so right, God. And really, when I looked at this, this is what happened to Jesus. Did they not take him back to the cross and broke, not, but broke, broken the skin, cat and nine tails, 40 and so forth? But didn't he come back more powerful? <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, there's so much in this when I, I looked at it, I said, he blessed us. But anyway, it's a blessing. And I, we should be happy that God loves us enough to change our form. Change the way you think. Change the way you act. Change the way you talk. Change the way, the way our conduct is. And this is what I thought about too. This is what I thought about too. Even in 2019, no matter how long you've been saved, God is still changing you. And that's good to know. And I, I thought this was good because I realized I had to come to the conclusion, I need change. Now let me say, some days it's more obvious than others. But I still know, spiritually speaking, I need changing. I need changing. So I'm looking, he's changing me from my original form. And, he, and then, but after he changed me from my original form, I thought this was interesting. He's going to give me now. He's going to, because notice, and he gave. He gave, he gave, he gave, he gave, and he gave. He gave it to them as is written in Mark 14, 22. He gave, he committed someone or something to let have. So he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave. So I'm thinking, God's going to give me, but what is he going to give? He's going give to me, give me to whoever he wants me to have, wants me to have it, but he's going to give me in the form that he wants me to have. It's the part, it's, it's example of a potter. He changed the form of it again, changed it into another. The potter is always changing it into a, another, but it's going to be useful for whatever God uses it for. For example, 
I thought about this, and I, I use my own personal life. I can use even with the uh, the form of Jesus. When Jesus was broke and he, and he left on the cross at Calvary, and, and they and they he died, but when he got back up, not only did he release himself, but he also gave us the Holy Spirit. It released the Holy Spirit into each and every one of our lives. I take it even further. When we receive the Holy Spirit, it changed us into something that God can use. And not only, listen, the gift is not just for you. It's for all those that come into your contact. You are blessing to somebody around you. But, but, you, but listen, you're more of a blessing now than you were, let's say, five years ago. Because you allowed God to change you to something that's more useful. And that's why each time we come to the house of God, God is changing us into something that is more useful, more beneficial, not just for yourself, but for those around you. Oh, good God Almighty. When you get ready to minister, isn't it good to know you know you can pray more effectively than you did, let's say, eight, eight years ago or nine years ago? Isn't it good to know that you know more scripture now? You, you start calling those things as not as though they were. Isn't it good to know you got more faith than you did, let's say, a, a month ago or two months ago, because faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Isn't it good to know, amen, you know, listen, you've been through enough trial and tribulation that you're not moved by every wind of doctrine that comes your way? Isn't it good to know that God, you're happy, you're favored, you're blessed, you're highly prosperous, and you, listen, thank God that you didn't do it on your own. You're like, Abraham, nobody made me rich but God. Isn't it good to know even Old Testament, Abram went from Abram to Abraham. And they get to know that when the prophet, um, the prophet was in, uh, when he, Elijah first started his ministry, he wasn't, by the time he got to where he was, he wasn't the person he was when he first got started. He changed into something different. He, listen, God changed his form. And when he changed his form, it blessed more of the people. And when Jesus changed his form, we were blessed with the Holy Spirit. When it broke, it bro- it released something. And see, anytime you break something, it's going to release what's in you. Good God Almighty. Woo. And I, I was, I opened a, a soda the other day, and it was the first time I opened it. And I thought I, you know how you pick it up, you think you got it all under control, and it's not going to spill out everywhere? <laughs> yeah, uh, it wasn't quite under control like I thought it was. <laughs> And so when I opened it up, it said, whew, hey, yeah, yeah, no, the spew, spew thing. And um, I spent the next 10, 15 minutes cleaning it up. <laughs> uh wasn't quite what I was thinking about, but what was in it came out of it because of the when I released it. Are y'all following me here? And you got to understand something. Uh, many times what's in it, you're going to come out of you when you release it. But as long as I had the top on, it was on tight, wasn't nothing coming out of it. But God knows how to get the top off of you. Ooh, Boy, God knows how to get the top off of you. You don't believe me? Ask Jonah. Jonah was saying, I ain't been to preach to these folks. Hard neck, stiff neck, over, you know, paraphrasing. I ain't been to preach to these folks. Got on the boat, ran another way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too long before Jonah, was, he'd take a three-day journey made in a day getting back to them folks. And when he got back, I, I tell him anything, God. <laughs> You want to tell him that the sky blue or whatever? I'm telling him. He said, he told him what thus saith the Lord. And when he told him, he was released. But he couldn't get that until uh, he had to get what was in Jonah, out of Jonah. And a lot of times he don't, he don't, he don't get 
Well, listen, he got something in us too. He's got something in us too that's going to make a difference in somebody's life. He's got what's in us and it's going to make a difference in somebody's life. And let me say this to you. He knows how to get it out of you. And you know when God get ready to get it out of you, he going to get it out of you. Oh, believe me when I tell you that when God get ready to get it out of you, he is going to get it out of you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you up front, personal experience, that God knows how to get things out of you. Oh, God, don't he? Ooh. If anybody knows, we should know. And as believers, we are blessed, broken, blessed, broken. And when we think we're, and then I thought about this too. When you're broken, you don't think you're using it. At least in my opinion. When you, listen, when God began to break you, boy, you'd be like, huh, I don't feel like being used. Because I'm telling you, it's not emotional pretty. You know what Jesus said? Not my will, but your will be done, God. No, he prayed. God, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. It was, it was, if Jesus prayed that, you know sooner or later, his followers, his disciples, his the one learners, going to pray that prayer, going to ask God, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Let somebody else do it, God. Let somebody else uh, take that responsibility. Let somebody else pray for them folks. Let somebody else give this particular thing. Let somebody else minister in this area. And then you're like, God, let somebody else, but you're going to say, no, not my will. You know, those, when you pray prayer like that, God don't even shake his head. He don't even like, I mean, he don't clear his throat or nothing. He's like, you ever ask somebody to do something, they act like they annoy you. God is the master, act like he annoy you. He got it packed down. I'm talking, about, he got it down packed. Y'all think y'all children got it down or some of us adults got it down? You ain't seen nothing. You ask God to do something that, that's out of the will of God in your life and he wants you to do certain things. He wants you to do something. Oh, he'll just sit there and wait for you to get your act together. I don't care how far you run. Don't you get on a boat and take and, and ride the opposite way all you want to. But everybody on the boat gonna be kicking you out as soon as I get your attention. <laughs> And sometimes, listen, let me tell you something. Sometimes, uh, when you the Jonah, don't get mad when pe- people start kicking you out. You know why they're kicking you out. You know exactly why they're giving you the boot. Because if you the Jonah in my, I got enough Jonas in my life. I'm going to have to boot. I'm sorry. Y'all, y'all don't know the boot like that. But anyway, you have to go. I'm getting you back so that fish can take you back over to Nineveh. So in turn, you go tell those people what thus saith the Lord. Sometimes God in our life, well, allow us to keep going because we say, well, I ain't going to do this. I'm going to let somebody else do it. I'm going to do this and let somebody else do it. But when God get ready to use you, uh, you, you can run, but you can't hide. And then you can run. I don't care how fast. You can be faster than uh, Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world, one of the fastest men in the world, but you can't outrun God. You can't outrun. You can't listen. You ain't long. You're, you got enough gas in your car to go further than God. God will get your attention. He will get your attention. Hallelujah. Now, so you're blessed, but you feel unusable. I thought about it because when he breaks it, he's going to take, you know, he's going to change your form. He's going to change your form. But sometimes you get in that form, you feel unusable. You don't feel like you're uh, worthy of the master because you're going through a broken stage. And I thought about this, and this is my personal opinion. Brokenness don't always feel good. 
brokenness don't always uh, uh, line up with our um, way of thinking, talking, or acting, whatever the case may be. So the long story is you feel unusable. But this is what you got to know. Jesus uses us because he knows that every church member is important to God's plan. He knows every church member is important to God's plan. Say this with me. I am important to God's plan. Say it again. I am important to God's plan. And say God can use me and those around me. Go to 1 Corinthians 12, 22. 1 Corinthians 12, 22. No, much rather those members of the body, notice this, which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those parts of the body which seem to be weaker. You've been broken. You, you, your form been changed. But everybody's necessary. I thought about this from this standpoint. You may go through a stage in your life where you feel like you're not being, you don't feel usable. And God can still use you because every part is usable to God. Because I thought about this. Only person going to really know you are weaker. We seem to be weaker or necessary. Seem to be weaker is going to be one or two people. You or somebody that's around you. And most time it's us. What I've seen in my experience with ministry, it's us that seem like we're weaker. But God says you are necessary. Woo-wee. Say, I am necessary. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Now, let's go to the other part of that scripture in uh, Mark 24. Excuse me. Yeah, Mark 14, 22. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broken, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Interesting word, the Lord told them to take and eat. He told them to lay hold of, get possession of it, and consume it and devour. And similar overtaking of the Lord's body or his word as found in this particular text. Now, I thought about this from this standpoint. You cannot devour or consume the word until you first take it. I thought about it like this. How many like to eat? Well, how many like to eat? Just see a show. Anybody like show eat? All right. Now, how does the food normally get to your mouth? You got to get You got to take it, right? I don't care how good the steak is. You look at that steak all day long. How many went to a house to smell food cooking but couldn't get, couldn't get none of it? Hallelujah. Boy, I remember the days I fast sometimes. I remember uh fast I was on recently, boy. It seemed like my family had me smelling food from the time I got up to the time that I ate, which was uh, in a minute. I woke up smelling food. My wife was cooking something that day. On the day I was fasting, boy, she had that house smelling good. But I couldn't partake of it. I, it, I mean, it smelled good. She had seasoned right, boy. See, food smelled real good when you're hungry. <laughs> Feel real good when you hungry. Boy, and then she had me do something else, but I couldn't partake of it. I don't care how good it smells, but until you take it and devour it or consume it, it's just food. The word is just the word until you take it and 
consume it. You take it and you apply it. You take it, the written and revealed word, and you consume it or devour it and apply it in your everyday life. I don't care how good the revelation is. You can amen it from here to Jesus come back. Until you apply it, it's just a revelation. It's just good. It's, just, it's, it's wonderful, but until you apply it, it's just something that you're hearing. Well, we're talking about uh, Sunday. It's whatever your hands find to do that's going to prosper. I don't care how, how much prosperity out there. It's when you do it, that's when you're going to prosper. When it comes to this, it's whatever you do that's going, you're going to receive the benefits of it. Going to receive the benefits of it. And we must be in the position that we apply what God is telling us to do in his word. Amen? Now, when the word of God is coming forth, feeding us knowledge and understanding, we must take heed and apply the revelation that comes by the Holy Spirit. We also need the Holy Spirit to understand how and when to use the word that gives us the purpose of empowering and equipping us. Like again, you can hear a word, but until you learn how to apply it. By his stripes, I'm healed. Wonderful scripture, but until you apply it, you won't see the benefits of it. Oh, God is a healer. He, Jehovah Raha, can heal any sickness, any disease, can heal it. But until you learn how to apply it, it's just the words that's sitting out there. He is your protection. But until you apply it, you won't receive the protection. He is your way maker. But until you acknowledge him, he, can't get, he cannot direct your path. God loves to direct his people. But they got to acknowledge, got to ask him. Got to ask him. Got to ask him. Listen, he says, study to show thyself approved. It's a wonderful revelation in scripture, but you got to study it. It don't matter how good. Oh, that was a good point. I remember reading something one time. I said, God, that's good right there. But you know, you can't learn nothing until you study it. I mean, I don't care how good it is. Until you apply what you've learned, that's when it's going to make the difference. I, listen, there could be 15 gyms around my neighborhood. Fifteen of the finest gyms, class A, all around my neighborhood. Five in front, five on the side, two on the, that side, and one on three on that side. But until I go to one of them, they ain't never just sitting in my neighborhood. Don't do any good sitting in your neighborhood. You got to get into them and do something. Same thing goes with Scripture. You got to take the word and apply it. Take the word and apply it. So he can teach you how to do and minister. That, that, when you apply it, it empowers and equips you. Now, in 14.23, then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood in the new covenant, which is shed for many. There's more to that, but I just want to stop right there. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Notice this, the Lord gave a cup. First thing he did, he gave thanks to him. He was grateful for it. And we should be grateful for the covenant. Now, the covenant is a testament or agreement or a compact. A testament is a, excuse me, a covenant is a testament, an agreement, a compact. Sometimes, I remember other definitions I've used in the past is a contract. But this is more binding than a contract. Because a contract you can break. Because it's made by a natural man. Natural man have loopholes, what they call loopholes in contracts. 
Many times when you, you're signing a document on top of a document, document and on top of another document, it's because people have found loopholes in contracts. That's what all that basically means. <clears throat> and so now this is a covenant. It's a testament, an agreement. It's a compact. He said, I'm thankful for this. Um, but he's making this with many. I thought about this for a moment. Many represents the believers. Many represents those individuals who believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our king. Many of those. Now, you got to understand something. When Jesus did this, they did not fully have the comprehension of what his, of him dying and rising from the dead. Remember, this is two days before. This is two days before. Or maybe a day before. This was not only, I believe to me, it was two days before where we read it. Two days before. And so when they did this, they did not really have the revelation of what Jesus was getting ready to do back on that, uh, before he got to Calvary. He getting ready to shed his blood. He's getting ready to beat with the cat and nine tails. He's getting ready to have uh, nails put in his hands. He was getting ready to get go through a tremendous trial. They just had this picture of take, eat, this is my body. Broke, you know, and so forth and so on. But they didn't really truly catch it. Jesus knew what he was getting ready to go through, but they didn't at this time. He knew what, when he talked about this is my blood of the new covenant, they didn't know he was ready to actually shed his blood. I mean, he getting ready to shed not just a little blood, but, in my opinion, a whole lot of blood. Can you imagine all the blood that he shed? And how weak he was when he went through what he went through? For people like us? Yeah, I know he went through the whole world. I'm talking about people in this sanctuary right here. What he did for us. I mean, he did it too. Because he did it for many. But we're part of that many. We are a part of that many. Thank God he went. He did it for us. Now, when he did that, I believe that this agreement is made with believers who accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. We've, we, we've obeyed the word of God and allow him to place them in the church. Thus, his covenant is with his church. And so he made that testament. He made that agreement. He made that compact. He made that. He made it with many, which represents us, his church. That's why I thank God that the blood of Jesus birthed this new covenant. Because he said, I'm going to do it. Notice why he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. When did he shed his blood? He shed his blood when he went on the cross at Calvary. And when he shed his blood, and it really came from um, when Abraham made a covenant with Back in the Old Testament, they did it when they they exchanged blood. They exchanged blood. Well, this is a greater sacrifice. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And he shed his blood for people just like us. Not that our blood could really do anything to compare to God's. I'm just being up front with you. But he loved us enough. They said, you know what? I'll take what you did wrong. And I'll pay the price. For everything you did wrong. Oh, I appreciate Jesus. That's what makes me happy today. 
because of what he did for all of us back at the cross at Calvary. He made a covenant with us. He made an agreement with us. He said, if you receive me as Lord and Savior, I'll pay the price for your sins. I will be your deliverer. I will be your protection. And I will be your prosperity. I'll do it for you. And that's why, listen, we got the better deal of the agreement for us, I'm concerned. Because what, what did we bring to the table? Think about it. What you, what you brought to the table? You like me? Sin? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> brought flesh, carnal thinking. I brought a whole lot of trouble for Jesus. But I love the fact that he, lo- he loved me anyway. And he, he said, well, bring it on. Come to me just as you are. Don't I need to fix myself up? No, come to me just as you are. Don't I need to do this, that, and the other? Back in the Old Testament, I had to go through all the changes before they came. But now I got a covenant with God, an agreement with God. Oh, it's much better. I ain't got to get all my act together before I come to Jesus. I come just like I am. You mean you set me just like I am, Jesus? And I got to, you know, clean up here and clean up there and do this there and, and jump three times. If, no, no. He said, come as you are. Boy, that's a good agreement right there. Boy, that's a good agreement right there. I mean, I, I've gotten some agreements my days. And, and you know, a, really a sign of a good agreement when both parties get something out of it. But really, when I, when I, when I came to this agreement right here, I'm like, gee, what do you get out of this one? What do you get out of this? That's why I'm happy about this agreement. Boy, this agreement beat all the contracts I've signed over here. The agreement, I love my wife, but this is a better contract than my wife, me and my wife got. Better agreement than me and my wife got. Love my children, but this is a better agreement than me and my children got. Hallelujah. I'm happy about this agreement. Boy, this agreement is something else right here. Because he did everything that he did. Being blessed and broken for Christ will help us birth miracles, signs, and wonders if we follow Jesus' example. In my opinion, Jesus is an example of being blessed and broken, being prepared to be used at a different level of ministry. Let me tell you something. When God was, when he went to that cross back at Calvary, he was blessed, but he was broken. But then again, he came for us. He came for us. He came for us. And he said, take eat. This is my body, which was broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. When I remember Jesus, I'm in agreement with you. But God, I didn't bring nothing to the table. I still love you. Because I paid the price for everything you did wrong. And I, and I said, you know what, God? And think about it. When you break it all down, I'm, I'm close on this point. We should be happy about the agreement that God made with us. Because what we brought to the table, compared to what Jesus brought to the table, we ought to be happy. 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 Because you ain't going to get nothing better than this. You got eternal life. You got divine protection. You got uh, deliverance. Changing us. Changing our form again, making us into another. And we got prosperity.
because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ back on the cross at Calvary. I'm happy about this agreement. I'm done. I can minute for minute on that one, but that's just, that, that's just a good point just to say, that's good, Lord. Thank you so much, God. If you're happy about an agreement, let's clap our hands and give Jesus a hand of praise about being happy about the agreement. Thank you, Father, for being happy about the agreement. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.